Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Action. All right, action. Here we are. We are live, everybody. Welcome to this uh, short preview of what we are going to be talking about. Our Marco Azevedo is going to be presenting on coming up on September 27th, which is next Wednesday, a week from today. We're going to be doing our Strange Realities, next Strange Realities online event, possibly the last of this year before we get to the conference, which of course is a big event in and of itself. So tonight, this is a preview about what Marco is going to be talking about. And uh, welcome to Conspiracy Normal, Marco, for just thanks. It's been a little time. bit time. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Um, I guess the last one went okay enough so that you guys were like, "Yeah, sure, you can do, you can do it." Let's see a second. No, last one was great. <laughs> sure, people still talk about it. Really? Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. Good. Well, um, well, I mean, I did warn you guys. I was gonna probably need to do uh, come back to it and do a part two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because the um, it was just impossible to cover everything in that span of time and i was on i know for hours right yeah it was already one of the longest i think we had done <laughs> i you know thinking back on it and looking at at the at the tape i'm like you know what this is sort of like um instead of starting with chapter one of the book proper it's like i started with a whole bunch of appendices you know <laughs> like, the, like the raw information um and so, you know, I I see my tasks for part two as wrapping it up as best I could. I mean, this could easily go to like parts two and three, but like I want to move on to other subjects and stuff as much as as dear to my heart as this is. Um, but yeah, what I want to do with this with this one is basically encapsulate it, um, touch on all the different strands that all come together and then kind of come to some sort of a conclusion or at least a, a coda you know sort of a, a way of looking at this thing uh in the future 
And of course, what I'm talking about is um, uh, the flying saucer as an archetype, um, which is <laughs> the title of my talk was and is the spark and the vessel. And that's one of the things I didn't actually get to do the, the first time. I never actually got around to explaining the title. Um, everything really was in the subtitle, reverse engineering the flying saucer archetype. The spark of the vessel was supposed to be kind of the payoff to that. Um, but as it turned out, it's more complicated and there's, there's just a lot of material. Um, but just to sort of recap where this entire thing came from, um, of course, there's sort of like in ufology or, you know, uh, the weirdest fear, there is before December 2017 and after 2000, uh, December 2017, which is when the New York Times published their, um, when they released the the um, Tic Tac and Gimbal videos and, you know, kind of all hell broke loose. Um, you know, uh, UFOs were in the zeitgeist. They hadn't been since probably 1947, um, except, of course, the discourse has been very narrow. Um, the narrative has been very kind of tightly controlled so that nowadays people, all people see are just sort of like, you know, little flying dots on black and white grainy footage. Um, and it's kind of like the opposite of the zeitgeist as it was in 1947 and in like the, the whole generation following that in the 50s going into the 60s and 70s. And I couldn't help but contrast the two. And it just sort of made me ask, well, what, why, um, what was it about um, the flying saucer that, um, or what was it about that era that sort of um, manifested the flying saucer? Um, so, of course, I'll say at the outset, I don't hold a nuts and bolts perspective on the UFO, despite the subtitle, um, reverse right. engineering the flying saucer archetype, because that's a, it's a play, right? It's a, it's kind of poking a little bit of fun, uh, uh, at the nuts and bolts trope of, um, black ops scientists and engineers analyzing, you know, testing non-human technology to figure out how it functions, how to... Um, how to duplicate it, uh, how to figure out um, the properties of these new um, heretofore unknown miraculous materials. How was this thing built, right? Whereas the kind of reverse engineering I'm talking about is like, how was this cultural artifact, how was this archetype built, right? Like what, um, what needs is it sat, what needs did it, did the flying saucer as a particular form satisfy um, and what's different now? Because I mean, um, what's the name of the new um, organization that's the, the, the sort of clearinghouse for all the stuff? Arrow, A-A-R-O. Um, the you know, government the, one? Yeah, 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 that was put together by yeah, Congress. I'm, I don't remember the latest acronym. <laughs> It doesn't really matter, but um, have you well, there seen? Was a, there was a tip. Is that the what you were thinking of? Right, right. No, I think that the very new one. I think they just put up a website um, very recently for the reporting and collection of data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Arrow. A A R O. Um, I can't. I can't keep up, man. Uh, yeah, I know. Nobody can. <laughs> but what was really interesting 
um, and you know, I'll take their word for it, but it seems it seems to to track. They put out a, a chart, right? Um, uh, compiling, it's a pie chart compiling UFO reports from I think like 1996 to now, and you see what percentages of um, UFO or UAP reports um, are described as uh, a sphere, a, you know, um, a tic-tac, a globe, um, a light. And this is like 2% of... Marco? Hopefully we didn't lose him. Then he'll come. Then he'll come back here. This happens sometimes. They don't want you to know. They don't want you to know. Yeah, that's what it is. Hi. Back. Okay, you are back. You there. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um. As soon as you started talking about the government organizations, that's what yeah, happens. You, you foiled the sense. Yeah, that's true. Any any time, you know. <laughs> it's so funny because I've I've, I've heard it happen it, a lot of times, and it's always like, that's what it, it seems is. like a coincidence. They, but it's like they jam the signal. They you know they, they get that five G going. It's, you know, it's been two hours, right? Do you have some missing time? Right. Yeah, we've been waiting <laughs> here for a while. We just we've just been chatting. Damn, I could have uh, done my whole presentation. Um, which, by the way, I'm I'm really, really trying hard to make it not more than two hours. I'm actually okay. I'm thinking it could be an hour. I don't know. Right. We'll see. We'll see. Right. We'll see if I can fit it all. Um, it's recorded, and you can people can always go back and, to it to parse it. And there's else. and there's question and answer sessions with these two. So. Yes. <clears throat> um. So so yeah. So there's um. It's most of the reports are like uh, lights or spheres or orbs. Um, another big chunk of reports, like um, I think the the um, orbs and spheres was like forty seven percent, and like lights in the sky was like seventeen percent or something like that. Um, but when it came to specific forms, right, um, specific concrete things like saucers, like uh, squares, triangles, cubes, cylinders, um, all the stuff that we think about is comprising this sort of um, realm of of the uh, UFO um, in its multiplicity. Those are all really low numbers. No one's seeing these things anymore. It's like each of those shapes is like, I don't know, one or two percent of, of reports since uh, 96. So that's kind of that's kind of crazy and kind of makes you sit back, you know? So like, what was it about that time um, that was sort of the perfect setting for something as very specific as a flying saucer, right? Um, and that was a question I started with. Um, and actually, I think if you guys remember the, um, the uh, Mystic Crew, talk i did uh lonesome lonesome saucer blues right that's yeah. that was like where it all started and at that point i was just looking at the immediate era of the flying saucer the post-war era and kind of looking at that zeitgeist and seeing like what is the connection right and i saw a big connection to um 
uh, consumer culture, right? Post-war boom, consumer culture. And um, I sort of came to the conclusion that that whole era, actually from about the 20s to, to about the 60s, um, I was calling it sort of a um, the American sort of tinkerer era. Everyone seemed to be involved in um, uh, technology on a kind of personal level, right? That almost no one is now. Um, we have technology in our pockets, but we don't understand how it works. We can't like, you know, pop the back on our phones and sort of rewire something. Um, I mean, some people can, but most people, most people can't. Um, so there was a whole era of um, technology being transparent, technology being about like components, not about, um, you know, <clears throat> things locked up in a little box that you can't, that you can't see. Even technicians, even like um, developers and, and, and coders don't really, don't really understand the, the physics of what's actually going on. So um so technology has become kind of a big mystery to us. Kind of what magic used to be now is technology, right? Um, look at series like um, Black Mirror. I mean, it's all it's about technology, but it's about how technology has just become um, spooky because we can't relate to it really on a deep level anymore. Yeah, um, dystopian, dystopian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, of course, you know. Um, Jung, here I'm talking about archetypes, and Jung, who was, you know, the granddaddy of the of the archetype, um, he asked the questions that I've started to ask, but like, you know, 60, 60 odd years ago. Um, and he answered, he answered them pretty well uh in his book, um, Flying Saucers, a modern uh modern myth of things seen in the sky, uh seen in the skies. Um and basically he concluded that the UFO is a like a modern day mandala, right? Um, a projection of what he calls a psychic totality that was basically a response to the trauma of the times, right? Uh, just coming off of a world war. Um, we're now in the nuclear age and we're now in the cold war. Everyone's afraid of being um, blown up, um, you know, uh, media has gotten big. Everyone's talking about, the psychology and the mind and it's everything seems to be um there seems to be all these sort of invisible huge forces at play that you can't really see and that you can't really control or quite or do anything about you know so there was this post post-war kind of a malaise that was that was sort of uh, happening it's sort of a global existential crisis and you know everyone started seeing therapists at that point um so you know here is the father of the archetype here is a, um, a scholar of archetypes witnessing the birth of what is apparently is a brand new archetype. He was very fascinated by the question of UFOs or flying saucers. We were all already talking about um, engineers, right? An engineer looks at the UFO and sees a new level of technology, a new paradigm, a new challenge, right? From an engineering perspective. A uh, psychologist sees a new archetype. Um, you know, to, to a hammer, everything is a nail, right? Um, uh, Diana Pasolka recently, um, you know, in the book um, American Cosmic, um, opines that uh, the for her the UFO is sort of um, it, it sort of heralds a new 
she's a scholar of religion and she sees the UFO as heralding a brand new religion, right? So everyone sees this thing through a different lens. The lens that I see this thing through is, um, is as, a, as a designer, as a graphic designer, right? Um, I'm fascinated by the flying saucer as just uh, a designed object. And it's sort of an icon. It is an archetype. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's as sort of classic as the light bulb became uh, earlier in the 20th century. Uh, the rocket ship just became this very archetypal, very um, huge idea that um, was important to little boys reading science fiction novels um, who would then grow up to be NASA engineers. You know, it's just like this, there was um, these kind of ideas, archetypes really do seed the culture, but they're kind of, they're a new type, they're a modern kind of archetype. And this, the flying saucer is sort of like a perfect example of that. Um, it's, you know, it, 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 checks all the boxes of a successful logo, right? <laughs> or a brand mark. Um, it's simple, it's streamlined, it's memorable, it's an, it's an impactful symbol. Um, and as a designer, I found myself kind of trying to take this icon, reverse engineer it, um, you know, uh, break it down into its attributes, uh, its associations, the, the, the narrative hooks, uh, the cultural uh, touch points, sort of like reversing the process by which a modern designer creates a logo or an icon for a company, right? You do research, you find out what the company's values are, what the product, if it's a product, what it does, um, what it hopes to mean for the consumer. You know, it's it's it becomes an, an item of great significance and impact if it's successful. Um, and that's what the, the flying saucer was. Um, and man, um, as I said, when I first got into this, it was, it started out being about the post-war era. Um, and, you know, I started thinking of UFOs when you see, you know, think about the, the classic, um, UFO chart, you know, um, what kind of UFO did you see last night? And sort of this amazing um chart of all these different shapes different versions of a saucer some have domes on top some are flat on the bottom you know what i'm talking about it's like these mm -hmm. and it that kind of multiplicity to me is it's kind of reflected um the multiplicity of 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 consumer culture post-war yeah. you know it's like you look at a chart like that and you might as well be looking at like a page out of a sears catalog showing you you know every every conceivable kind of hubcap for your car, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, it's that thing. Um, I started there and I went back further and one thing led to another. Um, I realized there was a deep connection between the flying saucer iconographically and, and the atom bomb or the mushroom cloud. Um, going back further, um, I learned about, you know, when like, uh, the atomic model became, um, became a thing, became, uh, became another kind of archetype. Um, you know, the, the planetary model of the, of the atom, which is actually wrong, but because it's so, it's so classic and it's, it's so 
easy to see that we still think of, a, of an atom that way. A child thinks of an atom as looking like a solar system with the nucleus and the, the electrons zipping around in orbits. But of course now, you know, uh, after, you know, the whole quantum physics era, we know it's more complicated than that. And, you know, the best way you can uh, envision an atom is sort of like uh, a nucleus enveloped in a cloud of probability. Like there's probabilities of where an electron might be at any given time. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's not set in stone. It's sort of like this sort of like numinous sort of cloud. But we still use the old model because um, it's helpful because it's, it's, that's easy to envision. Um, I started going back down the line and this led me to how scientists started to talk about um, invisible forces in the 19th century, how that kind of, um, for a while it paralleled um, spirituality and um, um, theosophical ideas um, about the nature of the universe. Um, you know, scientists and, and, and philosophers were going to seances Science and the woo-woo were kind of much more intermixed um, in the 19th century, right? Um, all of this led me back to the, um, the Enlightenment. And if you recall in part one of this, um, I really got into, of all things, the court of Louis XIV, because um, I was looking at that as an example of the ultimate statement of a human controlled hierarchy, right? Um, that gave rise to the enlightenment, but at the same time, the enlightenment kind of just shook the foundations, kind of like the way um, Einstein and then relativity, uh, Einstein's relativity and then uh, quantum mechanics sort of shook the foundations of what we thought the universe was about early in the 20th century. Um, a similar thing happened in the 16th to 17th century um, when religious or biblical models became, started to go by the wayside, at least in circles, in circles of power, right? So we have that. We have all these very specific areas that I started to investigate because these are these are where the trails took me right from post-war and the whole uh what i call the technological ima imaginal of the of the 20th century which grew up out of um uh the enlightenment um the era of the of the first balloonists i found out something really fascinating which is that um you know, before the Enlightenment, when people thought of the future, um, they, depending on who you were, you might have been thinking about, you know, um, the world after the Second Coming. You know, maybe maybe the world is 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 kind of a paradise, but it's from a religious perspective, right? Um, the idea of the future being more technologically advanced than the present and that all sorts of untold wonders um, will be happening because of science, because of progress, 
that all came out of the that all came out of the enlightenment nobody thought of the future as this amazing uh technological utopia until the enlightenment and probably specifically until um people started seeing um balloonists in the sky which sort of that shook everything up um that just sort of blew everyone's mind and 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 they didn't know how to process that and so really after the era of um of the balloonists and the aeronauts and the the whole image of a human being flying through the sky um and that it was that that was the result of technology and engineering that opened up everybody's imagination so that oh you know then the future became this amazing place where cars fly maybe we can visit other planets um uh you could visit the bottom of the ocean um we can cure diseases so basically this the technological imaginal and you know like science fiction all of that sort of started right there um but you know you can still follow things back and um so there's a whole um realm of sort of like mythic uh mythic archetypal um material that i think has some bearing on the flying saucer and that i i kind of touched on in part one mm -hmm. um but i'll have a lot more of that in in part two um yeah and i'll be i i guess you could say that the material sort of divides into sort of a exoteric um realm and an esoteric realm right mm -hmm. the exoteric is like are all of this um sur surface associations of the flying saucer as an archetype which involves more recent history which involves you know um the post-war era the bomb consumerism um and then we go you know there's material that goes back to um the founding myths of like delphi you know um the uh and, and and greek mythology and the sort of hierarchy that existed within greek mythology that there was an underworld and that there was a world above you know zeus was up on his mountain and his his icon was the eagle um and the serpent kind of represented sort of like the totality of uh nature mysterious and not mysterious on you know on the earthly plane and below um and so this is like a this becomes a cosmological archetype and that ties into the flying saucer um at least i think so i promise i'll i'll i'll, I'll show you how it happens no, and and I just want to say that you know you use your your artistic and design talents to uh, right. really weave the narrative together, and uh, it's a very visual presentation. I'm sure as the last one was, so just yeah. that alone is you know would make like a I think we talked about like a fascinating coffee table book you could make out of this. Yeah, if if somehow I could get past all of the um, you know the uh, the the rights to all the right. <laughs> 
I figure in a presentation, you know, the resolution is small. It's all, you know, it's all free. Yeah. It's all fair use. Sure. Yeah, but a, ni a nice book would be amazing um, to put together. Um, anyway, I mean, that's that's the gist of it. That's the gist of what's going to happen um, next week. Awesome. Part two. And if you sign up for our Patreon, uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash conspiranormal and join the Mystic Crew to be able to view this, you can also go back and watch uh, part one of Marco's talk and then put it all together. Yep. I may have to put out a map. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> right. And I'm putting that right, putting that right there on that's the link to our patreon.com slash conspiranormal. If you guys join the $10 level at, um, that is the order of the Mr. Crew, like Sir Fiel said, you guys can get in. If you don't want to do that, there is going to be an Eventbrite um, link as well. If to pay a ten, to pay just the ten dollars, um, ten dollar one time thing. So that will be available too. But uh, you easiest way to do it, and you can go back and you can watch uh, the vessel and the spark part one. Spark in the vessel, sorry, spark in the vessel part one. You can guys can go back and watch that because that is on our Patreon. And we have all the rest of these um, monthly meetups that we do that is also on the Patreon. So there's like plenty of stuff to go back and watch. So would definitely recommend taking that route and joining the Tender Level Patreon because there's a ton of material on there for you guys. It's great stuff. It's a, it's a really great archive of all sorts of interesting things under the sun. Um, so, yeah. I'm glad to be part of it and I'm excited about next week. Absolutely. All right, Marco. Thank you for, thank you for um, hanging out with us and guys uh, hope you can join us. That is 8 PM Eastern Eastern time. So figure out what uh, time zone you're in and uh, on September 27th, the week from tonight. Thank you guys for watching. All right. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save